Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me for a conversation about Psalm 50 is Grant Sork. I really enjoyed this conversation with Grant and his insights as we explored what makes this psalm unique from maybe some ones that we are more familiar with, the ways that God as creator judge shows up in this psalm, and what it means for us to listen and to pay attention to what God is doing around us. I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. To get us started, here is Grant reading Psalm 50. The Mighty One, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. He summons the heavens above and the earth, that he may judge his people. Gather to me this consecrated people, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens proclaim his righteousness, for he is a God of justice. Listen, my people, and I will speak. I will testify against you, Israel. I am God, your God. I bring no charges against you concerning your sacrifices or concerning your burnt offerings, which are forever before me. I have no need of a bull from your stall, or of a goat from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. But to the wicked person, God says, What right have you to recite my laws or take my covenant on your lips? You hate my instruction and cast my words behind you. When you see a thief, you join in with him. You throw in your lot with adulterers. You use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. You sit and testify against your brother and slander your own mother's son. When you did these things and I kept silent, you thought I was exactly like you. But I now arraign you and set my accusations before you. Consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with no one to rescue you. Those who sacrifice thank offerings honor me, and to the blameless I will show my salvation." Grant, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Good to be back. Thanks, Matt. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah. (laughs) That's where you say good to be back and we just go back and forth forever. Right. (laughs) I've had you back for quite a psalm. Yes, sir. We were talking just a little bit. We just teased a little bit of, as I was saying, the gold that you're going to bring to our conversation. Oh, man. Well, the pressure's on now, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) Every every conversation I've had. You couldn't have just called it some bronze, maybe? I had to go straight to gold. <laughs> Nothing uh, but the best for our listeners here. <laughs> well, shall we just dive right in? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, Grant, tell me, what stood out to you in reading the psalm? Mm-hmm. Well, as we were kind of touching on a little bit before we got started, it's just so different than any other um, psalm that I think people naturally think of when they hear about psalms, mm-hmm. like people who are familiar with them, or for even people who say, like, oh, my favorite book of the Bible is the psalms, like, Psalms like these don't necessarily come to mind and reading it. It's not necessarily a song. It's not necessarily like a poetic letter necessarily. It's 
a declaration almost like a rally of of like for people to listen and and also sounds like condemnation and which there is condemnation yeah. in parts of it and so yeah just these statements of condemnation but there's also instruction in it just nothing like kind of a song or a poem that people would normally think of when reading the psalms right or yeah. right yeah it isn't an individual's prayer right the image i think or one of the images here is right like this is much more like a courtroom scene mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting like god is summoning here come all the witnesses here comes all the earth all of creation is coming maybe we'll talk about this more later and now here's here's sort of the judgments from right. the judge on the bench and it's like mm -hmm. Is that a psalm? <laughs> it feels much more to me anyway, because I'm tracking right along with you. Like, this is the kind of thing I expect to kind of read in the prophets, exactly. you know, sort of yeah. when you were talking about the condemnation, like mm -hmm. this this feel, it has that kind of feel of here's the prophet. But yeah, that's, that stood out to me too. I One thing that I was struggling with this psalm at first was verse 7 through 15. I was trying to work out what was going on there because it yeah. seemed like there was this weird double speak so i started i started charting it out and here was my initial reading okay this is kind of like diving a little bit deep but i think sometimes that's what the podcast is about mm -hmm. verse seven god says i will testify against you israel so i'm thinking okay there's something wrong okay they're doing mm -hmm. something wrong then he says in verse eight i bring no charges about your sacrifices mm -hmm. i'm like well hold on wasn't something wrong then he says because i don't need them it all belongs to me Furthermore, basically, this is verse 12 and 13 now. It's not I, It's not as if I'm hungry. I, I don't eat bulls and goats. That's not what this is about. Then verse 14, so go ahead and sacrifice and fulfill your vows and call on me and I will deliver you. That's verse 15. Mm -hmm. Verse 16 then is now let's contrast this with the wicked person. I'm like, hold on. Like, what was the problem right. <laughs> there? Right. And as I kind of like read it and was trying to reflect on it, kind of over and over again it felt like oh i think what's going on or part of what's going on is we're hearing kind of one side almost one side of the conversation mm. if that makes sense so what i realized was there was clearly something about the way they were practicing the ritual of the sacrifices that god was mm. testifying against them about okay but i yeah. found for me that was not immediately obvious like i really had right. to sit with that and kind of wrestle with it and realize oh there's something actually like God is answering particular ways of acting that they're doing. And then that just really stood out to me. Right. We'll right, talk right. about it more, I think, kind of the ways that we can mindlessly just assume things about God. Right. And that so much here he's saying, like, I am the living God. I'm not just one of sort of these idols that you give food to to sustain them or something mm. like that. That's not who I am. So that really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Did you pick that up right away? What was going on there? No. This yeah. is where you're like, yeah, no, that no, wasn't. No, not, <laughs> not really. I, it took me, it definitely took me a couple of times. And because I was thinking to myself like, okay, so are you, because obviously this is a time where, you know, Jesus hasn't, hasn't shown up yet. So it was almost sounding like something that would have been said in the New Testament. Like you don't need to do this anymore. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh -huh. was, so what made me curious is like, okay, this makes sense knowing the, knowing like the New Testament, knowing the gospel, sure. like this would make sense to me now, yeah. but to these people in the time and context in which it was written, yeah. how is this going to make sense to yeah. them? So I was trying to put myself in that context and then doing that, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and <laughs> of course, he comes back in verse 14 to say, okay, so now sacrifice, make <laughs> offerings to God. And you're like, right. okay, so mm -hmm. we are supposed to do this. But maybe that was kind of the part, I think, for me where it helped mm -hmm. click. Mm -hmm. And this just, I think, goes goes to the value of reading and rereading yeah. the Psalms when we're kind of searching for that understanding. Is It's like, mm -hmm. okay, so they're still supposed to do this. They're not supposed to not do it. 
Right. But there must be something about the way they were doing it. And that's mm-hmm. why I realized, oh, there's a whole other kind of conversation partner here. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And but, I think what helped me understand it a bit is thinking to myself like, okay, a parent telling me to do certain things like cleaning my room, doing this. My parents asking me to do these things, but I'm not helping my parent necessarily by doing some of those mundane things. Like me making my bed isn't going to help my dad at his job. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh-huh. So kind of going at it with that mindset is that's what made me think, okay, huh. this is instruction from God because it's not for God. It's not, this isn't to benefit the, God, this is to benefit oh, them. Really- so how is this practice benefiting you? And so I think he was addressing people oh. in which they were doing it in a way where it didn't even have an effect on them. Yeah, They were doing it thinking they're doing something good uh-huh. and contributing, but it's not about contributing for the greater good of something else. It's how is this benefiting you in relationship with mm. God? So I think that's what he was trying to address after kind of putting it in that perspective. I, I think that's really helpful, Grant. I, I like that analogy. Well, let, let's ride that analogy right into our second question. The second question is we talk more about who God is in this psalm. What do we learn about God in the psalm? Mm, yeah. I don't know if I have a, a definitive answer, but I have kind of things I highlighted that made me want to think more about how oh, yeah. God approaches certain things when he says, listen, my people, and I will speak. Mm. Kind of implying that you can like you're able to, like you will be able to hear me hmm. if you're listening and then i can speak to you and that and so i highlighted that part thinking to myself like okay this is interesting he he makes sure to name that like listen and then i will speak to you yeah and so i found that kind of interesting and so then i go on to the second part where you know addressing the wicked and then in verse 21 when you did these things and i kept silent you thought I was exactly like you. Yeah. That was like, whoa, okay. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to think of myself, what could that mean? And so that made me think that there could be people who are just so closed off from listening and they think God is being silent, mm. but but it's because they're not in a position to listen. Mm. And that's why God made it clear when addressing the people making the sacrifices, listen and I will speak to you. Yeah. And so- Addressing the wicked who thought to themselves, oh, well, God's not saying anything in this moment, so therefore he must be okay with what I'm doing. I I think the word, you thought I was exactly like you, that's something I would want to ask more about what that would mean. One way that at least I was thinking about this is God saying, like, you thought my silence, like, meant that, like, I was fine with that. Like, Mm -hmm. I too was, like, the God of thieves or the God of adulterers. But mm. let me tell you, now I'm laying out the case. Like I'm not silent anymore. That's how I thought about it. I don't know gotcha. what you think about that. Does that? Yeah, no, that totally, that totally helps. Cause that's what I was thinking originally where I'm thinking, oh, these people are thinking God's okay with it. Yeah. But then that's what made me think like that, that makes sense. And then I, yeah, then still kind of like asking about that particular wording that I think I was focusing a lot on. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it's sort of like if you imagine a world where often the cultures around them, right? There's like, the god of the water and there's the god of this and there's the mm. god of that you can imagine like is is yahweh is this the mighty one god yahweh himself is he just sort of a god of thieves and like right. no 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 he's the god of justice right? right he's he's something quite else yeah yeah this is i was just struck by you know in terms of what we learn about god that we've seen a lot of god as the as the shepherd king that's come up a lot in psalm so far mm. and now we're really seeing the creator judge he's calling all of creation to kind of 
account and testify and he starts with his own people which mm. is pretty interesting <laughs> yeah like first peter talks about this too that judgment begins with the household of god mm. and it's like you kind of you maybe expect god's chosen people the consecrated people as this psalm says to sort of enjoy the privileged place like at his right hand or something but instead this psalm presents like judgment comes there first it's tempting to sort of read read the old testament sometimes and think god plays some kind of favorites and there's certainly the aspects of god's choosing but this psalm to me was a reminder like also like there's like there's pretty significant consequences for god's chosen people like it's not just uh sort of an uh, off the hook and enjoy as i reign as i reign my judgment on the world it's like no we're starting with you like we're cleansing you so to speak but also that verse 21 when you did these things and I kept silent, you thought I was exactly like you, but now I arraign you and set my accusations before you. And then verse 22, consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you to pieces with no one to rescue you. It's pretty dire, yeah. but also that or feels really significant. In other words, like the, this judgment is not a final declaration hmm. and a final condemnation. Hmm. It is a judgment that in its best sense, like the people who forget God should consider this and turn or or i will do this right. if you don't so there's still even here a call to repentance which mm -hmm. i just appreciate that pairing of judgment and repentance happening here in this psalm as well absolutely our third and final question grant how does this psalm help us to pray right and that i thought was going to be why well, i think it still might be probably the more difficult question for this particular <laughs> yeah, psalm because right, right, right. with a, where like you said earlier a lot of the psalms are already kind of written as a prayer right uh -huh. so the answer is kind of there for us where this is definitely not orchestrated that way at all and so kind of going back to the points we made earlier um talking about where god is saying listen my people and i will speak to you and then talking to even the wicked who don't hear god so i think my prayer would be would be, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through relationship with with Christ to please help me have a listening ear, to be mm. open to hear you. So that way I can hear what you have to say. Otherwise, I, I'm just gonna be like the wicked who who's thinking you're just being silent and yeah. and content with with my own way of living, regardless of what your will is, whether it's contradictory. So yeah, that would be my prayer. It kind of feels it could be both personal and communal where you can pray. Yeah. I please, wait, you know, th through your power, Lord, please help us to desire to have an opening ear and so that we do not think you're just being silent, whether it be something we're doing or just in our circumstances, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's kind of what it made me uh, think about in terms of what my prayer would be uh, reflecting the Psalm. I love that, Grant. I think that's really helpful. I think that that I kind of went a similar direction in terms of launching out of the mm. experience of these people as they may be hearing God's judgment. Mm. I'm curious, maybe before I offer, before I get to kind of what I was thinking, like, mm. what do you think it looks like <laughs> for us? Uh, maybe, I mean, you can speak personally to like, mm. listen to God be like, is there something beyond just sort of praying? Like, help me, help me listen. Mm. What does that look like? Wow. Yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I didn't prep you for that. So oh, I'm just man. curious, like, kind of if yeah. you have any initial thoughts. Yeah, I think, uh, man, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there's different kind of thoughts that might not sound too cohesive, but oh, just okay. kind, of, kind of doing a little bit of brainstorming yeah. here. I mean, there's times where I think, obviously, there's times in prayer where we explicitly, you know, want to be in a space of wanting to listen and opening yeah. ourselves and, re and requesting help through relationship with Christ to be in that state and be in that posture but even outside of that 
when we're at times, you know, throughout our daily lives where we, whether we're thinking about it cognitively or not about being open to listening to God, I think that if we just, there's a posture that maybe we can Mm. encourage um, ourselves to have in others where throughout our day, like God, because we always, you know, teach and, and help preach that God is always present in any situation. I think Q really helped me with this because I never really thought about this before until a lot of our mentoring sessions with Q where he explained, like, where have you seen God today? Mm. And kind of like going through that prayer of examine and, and, incur- and using that as a framework for this posture and just asking me that question, like, where have you seen God today? And like thinking about your feelings, what were some of your emotions throughout the day and which ones kind of stood out and and maybe um, regardless of what they were, whether you were really happy, or really sad, why were you really happy or really sad? And in those times and in those feelings, what what do you think God could have been saying to you, if anything? And it's not and he didn't even frame it in an explicit way, like like what was God saying to you? Yeah, you yeah. know, it's it's like what do you think God may have been saying to you yeah. in that moment, right? Where it's a it's a gentle grace filled kind of question that kind of encourages a posture of being opening to listen to god i yeah i mean that that felt like i just threw you a softball and you just hit it out of the park personally (laughs) to me that was yeah that's so helpful grant in terms of yeah kind of an attention to what god's doing in our lives so do you have additional thoughts about the communal side of things don't have to but i mean i do think you just crushed that answer (laughs) I just think, you know, I do think it's always important to kind of be in a space with other people in a community, whether it be, and I always think of like, you know, youth group, and I encourage my students, like, you know, this is a good time where, you know, all you different guys, you know, I'm not explicitly saying this to them, but, you know, I just think it's such a beautiful thing where you get, and I think just like, not even just in youth group, in the congregation as a whole, you get so many different people with so many different backgrounds, Mm. so many different beliefs, so many different personalities interests friend yeah. groups like you name it like so with, with that and but having the common foundation for us being together being jesus is so beautiful to mm. me and i think and i always you know maybe not in an explicit way but in ways try to encourage youth group like this is a time where we're together where you know you may be, be you may be being used by god in the situation relationally mm. communally with one another and just kind of being open to that because i always tell my students like even you guys coming to youth group is like is a way of putting yourself in a situation where you can't be used by God, whether you know it or not. Mm. Like you even just being present here with others, like you have no idea what impact you may be making on another student who's coming for the first time and, and vice versa, what others are having an impact on you just from you being here. So I do think that maybe even with people not even like cognitively thinking, oh, I'm here to see what God has to say, because, you know, a lot of people come to church for different reasons, sure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the students, they may come because they want to see a friend. Mm-hmm. And even congregants come because they're like, well, I'm coming because of my family. Yeah, or, right. you know, even like a lot of married couples, you know, like, oh, I'm coming because of my wife and my uh-huh. husband. But I think even that act of just coming here, like God can use that, you sure. know, and you may be you may be able to hear something, whether you were not even realizing you were going to be listening to mm-hmm. what God had to say. I, I love the idea too of what does a community look like mm-hmm. where all of us are trying to be attentive to God's presence and what he might be doing. Mm-hmm. Like there's some sense in which the individual sort of when it when it moves into the community and is met by other individuals who are trying to do the same thing, mm-hmm. there is a corporate listening then 
that is happening. Does that make sense? Where yeah. if we're all trying to pay attention to God and what he might be doing, mm-hmm. maybe it's not sort of a moment of silence, right? Where we're all just sitting there quietly trying to pay attention. But hmm. even just in the way we're interacting, it feels like there's a sense in which uh, we would see the fruit of that kind of listening and that kind of posture of attention, mm. right? Where we're going to be brought to, we're not going to be driven apart. Like there's going to be a sense of God's presence and love, right? There's going to be kind of yeah. fruit of those things. So I think even your individual answer kind of, mm. especially maybe in these smaller group settings is a beautiful image of the community as well. Maybe, maybe this speaks too to, you know, one way we listen, I think is through kind of the practices that we engage with and prayer yeah. and scripture and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And the thing that this Psalm helped me in terms of thinking about how we pray was really going to those verses seven through 15 again. And the ac- accusation that is being brought against these religiously observant people, but who are pretty clearly just going through the motions and don't understand why they do what they do. So I'm all about disciplines and practices and habits. I think that's so core to like who we are. And I was just listening to a video with Tish Harrison Warren, where she talks about the Christian life is a craft as much as it is a set of beliefs, which I think that's super helpful and really important for us to understand. At the same time, it can be easy, especially when we think we know what the right things to do are, that you just start using those as checkboxes and you forget that through those you are engaging with the living God. And mm. this Psalm to me is like the big reminder behind it is I am the living God. I, you don't have me in a box. The purpose of this thing is so that we can be in relationship with each other. It's not just so that you can be formed to be a good person mm-hmm. <laughs> by doing it, you know? Right. And so just as I think about, you know, how it helps me to pray, it's like, okay, like I, I kind of pray a form of liturgy most days and you know it's easy for even the beautiful words of like the lord's prayer Mm. to be important to me but also for me to sort of not be engaging them with the posture of attention that you're talking about and not being Mm. sort of aware uh, that i am i'm coming and our father in heaven that is the living god that is the creator judge the shepherd king whom i am now addressing and what an incredible grace that i can address him and then what a wonder that he hears and responds, you know? So I think it's kind of similar, maybe along the lines of what you're talking about. This Psalm, I think invites us into a, a deeper awareness of who we're praying to. So that's maybe just piggybacking and, and adding a little bit. No, that's really good. Well, thanks Grant for joining me for a conversation about Psalm 50. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, it was a good one. I appreciate you being willing to go with me as uh, I asked for a little brainstorming, but really appreciate your reflections. I think I trust they'll be helpful to our listeners. There was some real gold, some real gold. <laughs> not just bronze, not silver, but gold. <laughs> oh, well, thanks, Matt. Well, yeah. l- let me conclude with the opening verses of this psalm, mm. actually reminding us who, who this living God is. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. From Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and will not be silent. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. <laughs>